series today that we started last week called Living Stones. And what I want to do, uh, this is a little different kind of series, so what I want to do is just recap a little bit of what we covered last week to kind of give us the same foundation that we started on. We've basically said it's in our relationships with other Christians that we build a dwelling place for God. So in other words, if you're serious about pursuing God, you have to be serious about pursuing relationships with his people. We said it like this last week, we're only as strong as our relationships, and we will only go as far as our relationships can carry us. So uh, we also said, you're not a brick. How many of you are glad you're not a brick? (laughs) You're not a brick, because bricks are man-made. And they all look alike, and they're all uniform, and they're cheap, and they don't cost much, and they're easy to throw away. You're not a brick. You're a living stone because God has made you and formed you and created you. You are his masterpiece, and you have been created to fit together with the body of Christ to create a temple that rises to heaven and, and uh, uh, where, the, where the presence of God dwells inside the temple. 1 Peter 2.5 is what we read last week. Let's look at it again. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. In a spiritual house. You aren't being into, built in a spiritual house by yourself. You are being built into a spiritual house with the other people of God. Because none of us are a complete spiritual house by ourselves. So, as we said last week, you're a living stone stacked on top of each other, stacked together, built in a holy temple so that you might be the dwelling place of God's presence. So to pursue God's people is to pursue God. Now, I want to keep showing you during this series different places in the New Testament Uh, and in the Bible that we see this theology so that you'll know we're not just grabbing it from one place. This is a theme. Matthew 18, 20, look at it with me. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. What does that mean? Doesn't Jesus dwell in you individually and personally? Yes. But when two or three or more of us gather together in his name, he is present in a way that he's not when it's just us by ourselves. He's present in a different way. And so does that mean that, you know, when we gather, gather together like uh, on a day like today, does it mean when we sit in rows and we stare at the back of each other's head? Does it mean when we just stare at the screen by ourselves from home? Does it mean when we walk in and out and we don't know each other's name and we don't acknowledge each other and we don't have any relationship with each other? Is that what it means to gather together in his name? No. What it means to gather together in his name is we're gathering together in his name in a way that we're growing closer to him and closer to each other. That's what gathering together in his name means. That we are, it's like this. We're growing vertically in our relationship with him this way and we're growing horizontally in our relationship with each other this way. And in that bullseye is where the presence of God dwells. His presence is thickest and strongest in the middle of that cross. I I, I think if if you'll think about it, some of the greatest encounters you've ever had with God were in community. What do I mean by that? Well, you think about it. Maybe you've been at a time where you needed prayer and God's people came and laid hands on you and prayed for you and it's just like 
God's presence begin to move. Or maybe you've been in a life group and you've been sharing or somebody else has been sharing or somebody's been teaching and it's just like God's presence moved into that place. Or maybe you've been sitting with another believer somewhere and you were sharing uh, insights. You were having a spiritually deep conversation and insights were flowing and it's almost like heaven opened and you begin to see things you weren't able to see before and it's like Jesus pulled a chair up and sat at the table with you. That happens in community. Or maybe you've been praying together with somebody and it's like heaven came down or you've been worshiping in community with someone and it's like you just become emotional and you don't know why. Because that's where God's presence dwells. It's almost like if a, if a friend was telling you, hey, um, can you meet me tomorrow at 10 o'clock? Yes, great. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be at a coffee shop. Fantastic. And then you go over to the mall looking for him. And then you get mad at him because he wasn't there. And then you call him. You say, hey, where were you at? I was looking for you at the mall. He said, why are you at the mall? I told you I'd be at the coffee shop. That doesn't make any sense, does it? But this is the same thing that we do sometimes. Jesus tells us exactly where we can find him. And then we go looking for him somewhere else. Where does he say we can find him? Where two or three or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you. He tells us where to find him, but we go looking somewhere else, and then we get upset that he's not working in our life. I think we have a a misunderstanding sometimes about our experience and encounter with God. I see a great mistake that we sometimes make. We sometimes subconsciously believe that our Our experience or our encounter, our meeting with God, boils down to, like, is the worship team prepared? Man, like they were prepared today. (laughs) Are they prepared? Are their hearts right? Did they pick the right songs? And by the way, it helps if they pick songs that I like. (laughs) And I like it when it's not too loud, and I like it when it's not too quiet, and I I like it how I like it. And when the worship team, and if if they're into it, and their hearts are into it, and their hearts are right, and they're leading the right way, man, and then if the prayer team comes prayed up, and they've prayed heaven down, and they're excited, and and, and, you know, and then if the message is good, and what I mean by good is if it's funny, and if it's relevant, and it's anointed, and somehow the pastor's been able, or whoever's speaking's been able to pray really hard this week, and figure out exactly what I need to hear, and say it specifically to me. Then I'll meet with God. And, and, I th- and I think we have this misunderstanding about it, and we're tempted to believe that that's how God's presence works, that God's presence among us is based on prayer and worship and the Word, and that is all true. It absolutely is, but that's an incomplete truth. It's also based on our relationships with each other, just like a stool that can't stand on two legs. I want to show you a picture of a stool. This is what the church looks like when we believe that the presence of God is all up to prayer and worship and the Word. How many of you know that's not going to stand? Right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't walk in a room and sit on that chair. You're like, a breeze is going to come along and push that thing over, right? Because you've got to have the third leg. What's the third leg? Well, here's what it looks like when you have a three-legged stool. 
prayer and worship, the word, relationships. Now, now we have something that will absolutely stand. If your experience with God's presence was based on how strong your relationships are in this church, how much of God's presence would you have? Let's just pretend for a moment that it's not dependent upon any other thing. That the only, let's pretend it's a, it's a stool with one leg. <laughs> and 100% of your experience with God's presence, your meeting with him, had to do with how strong your relationships are with people in this church. This is the church you call home in this church. How much of God's presence then would you have? What if the future of the church is not based on what we do on this stage? What if the future of the church is based on what you do? What if it's based on the relationships that you build? What if it's based on the connections that you have? Now, when all three of these, imagine if all three of these become incredibly important and equally important. So imagine that the worship team comes in in the right heart with the right song with the right message if the, the, the whoever's preaching comes with the right word to release the spirit and life of the word into us and imagine if the prayer team comes with the mind of God prayed up and then imagine if you as the living stones of Christ show up and begin to discern and look around and say now who's not connected now who's not we've got this temple with these living stones stacking upon but we've got some stones scattered over here Now imagine what the church would look like if we had all three of those flowing and functioning together. Man, we'd have a temple. We'd have a place where God's presence was overwhelmingly powerful. And look, for years we've worked on word, we've worked on worship, we've worked on prayer. I think the invitation of the Holy Spirit in this post-COVID reality is it's an invitation and a giant invitation to work just as intentionally on relationships as we've worked on the word and worship and prayer. Four of you are with me. And I appreciate that more than you know. So let me ask you another question. How much of God do we want? Because that's really what it comes down to. What I'm saying to you is every time we gather, we gather to build up and to be built up. Right? We gather to build up and to be built up, and we all have a responsibility to build up the relationships in the church. I don't know how you can read the New Testament any other way. But it takes humility to acknowledge that I cannot become everything God wants me to become without you. It takes humility. I have to acknowledge that I can't just go off by myself and build my relationship by myself and be everything God ever intended for me to be. It's the 20-something in our church that says, I don't need the praying grandmother. I'm fine. Or it's the 40-year-old man that says, hey, society expects me to have all the answers by this point in my life. I don't need to talk to the 60-year-old guy who's already raised his kids. 
Or, or, or maybe it's the mom who says, I can't reveal any of my weaknesses because I'm afraid that those weaknesses might be used against me somewhere. Or it's the senior adult who says, we don't need the young people, we just need to put things back the way that they were and turn the music down. But without them, you don't have a legacy. You have no future. And neither does the church. We are the body of Christ together. Built together, the living stones of the body built together. So, why is it important that you build up? Here's why. If you don't build up, you will eventually tear down. Because what will happen is, is you'll begin to become, you'll start to complain, and things won't be the way that you want them, and you'll begin to get critical, and you'll start to analyze. You know, people start back up from sort of an uh, observational chair and just start to analyze everything. Because when you actually put your hand to the plow and start building up, you learn it's harder than it looks. It's not easy. It's much easier just to back up and complain and criticize and to tear down. Anybody can tear down. But if you don't build up, you'll eventually tear down. Here's the other thing. If you don't build up, you'll eventually just consume. And that's what you'll do. You won't come to produce your own fruit. You'll just eat everybody else's. That's why it's critical that we come to be built up and we come to build others up. So let me ask you a question this morning. Have you slid from building and being built up to tearing down and consuming? In this post-COVID reality, have you slid into a place God never intended you to be? Listen, I've said to you over and over and over, after, I, I learned some things after COVID, and here's one of the things I learned. We got to go deeper. We can't go back to what we were. We've got to go on to what God's called us to be, and we've got to prepare. And so we got to have different conversations than we had before. And one of the places we got to go deeper is in relationship. You know the reason that Satan goes so hard after the church is because he knows better than we do that it's the dwelling place of God. So as you look around the landscape of our country now, you can see denominations splitting, and you can see movements dividing, and you can see all that. And you know what? Satan loves it, and you know why he loves it? Because he wants God to be homeless. You know why? Because he's homeless. But the church are the living stones built together that become the dwelling place of God. And he's tricking us and he's winning because we're not seeing what the real score is. So the question is, who are you building up and who's building you up? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be... People say, why is the church so weak? Why is the church shrinking? Why is the church this? Why is the church that? Because we won't read the New Testament and do what it says. Christ gave the leadership of the church to equip each living stone of the church to build the church up so that it might, it might be built up. Not torn down, built up. Why? Built up for what? To be a dwelling place for God. 
right? Now, let's, let's look at Ephesians 4.16 now. From him, the whole body, the whole thing, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. I want you to zero in. If you got something to circle with, I want you to circle that word. If you're online and you're listening, I want you to circle that word, ligament. We're going to look at that word. Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in other words, the whole body, everybody, all the living stones, they grow up in love and the fullness of Christ only under one condition. When each part does its work. What are one of those primary works that every living stone has been given? It is to build relationships. And let me prove it to you. Let me show it to you by this one simple word I, I ask you to highlight. I'm going to give you three quick takeaways now. Number one, you are a ligament. <laughs> Say, I am a ligament. It doesn't even sound right, does it? You know what a ligament is? A ligament are bands of connective tissue in your body. Mm. They are bands of connective tissue in your body. You have over 900 ligaments in your body. Your body couldn't function properly without ligaments. We don't think about them much. We don't talk about them much. And God created them, and when they work, they work beautifully. Now, ligaments in the church. Let's look at, so I went to WebMD. Come on, WebMD, right? And I tried to find out what in the world's a ligament. Because I didn't know what a ligament was. And I had to look it up, and when I looked up what a ligament does in the body, I said, man, I see parallels all over the place for the church. So let's look and see what the ligament does. Here's the first thing. It allows the joint to move in the direction it was meant to move. We can't even go the right direction without good relationships. We can't move the way we're supposed to move. Without ligaments are the relationships. You and I are ligaments. We are connective tissue intended to connect the body together and hold it together. We can't even move the direction we're supposed to move. The ligaments hold bones together. Hold bones together. Well, when do you need that? When your body's under stress. When you're exercising, when you're competing in a sporting event or something, and you're twisting your body all different ways and it's trying to get bent out of shape, your ligaments hold your bones in place. That's what the body does. So, a couple of years ago, when George Floyd was killed, and the temperature in our nation rose, man, I thought, this is, uh, this, this, is, this is terrible. And I began to try to pray about that and think, what can I do? Because I knew that there were, there were black children and black families and black teenagers and interracial families in our church who were looking at me as their pastor saying, what does the church say about this? How are we as believers supposed to interpret this? 
So I reached out to about eight or ten black leaders in our church, and I just said, would you, would you meet with me and allow us just to talk about this? And they all came and we met. And we talked for, I don't know, at least an hour. It might have been close to two. And I was able, look, I'm, just, I, I'm about as white as you can get. I'm a white guy. I've never experienced any kind of racial oppression for being white in my life. I don't even know where to start. But here's the thing, watch. I trusted them. And you know what? Those eight or ten people were able to share a lot of things with me that opened my eyes and allowed me to see some things I wasn't seeing yet. You know why? Because I trusted them and they trusted me. Now listen. The ligaments, when our country was at our boiling point, the ligaments held our body together because they were strong enough to endure when the pressure came. You can't wait for a crisis to start building relationships because you can't build them in the middle of crisis because there won't be enough trust and the ligaments won't be strong enough to hold the bones together. But if you have enough trust already, boy, you can, you can have some honest conversations and you can all grow. And I grew. And it helped me. And I, and I think it helped our church. What else do ligaments do? Ligaments make sure that the joints don't twist. You know sometimes people just get bent out of shape? And the people that get the most bent out of shape tend to be the greatest loners. But the ligaments hold people together and keep them from being twisted out of shape. Ligaments, what else do they do? They stabilize muscles and bones. Man, keep things, keep things calm. Keep things moving. Keep things together. What else? Strengthen the joints. Your body doesn't even have the ability to be strong without ligaments. Ligaments are flexible enough to move but firm enough to provide support. Without li ligaments, you couldn't walk or sit down. How are you and I ever going to be a movement of hope? How are we ever going to move if we don't have strong enough ligaments? The church can't even be the church without relationships. We don't have one hope of being the church without relationships. In January uh, this year, I, I, I really hurt my neck and back. I don't know how I did it. I don't know what happened. But, uh, it, man, it, it hurt. And I, was, I had paralysis. Um, for seven months, I've been in pain. It's, it's changed the way that I live my daily life every day. And it's been a, just a long and painful journey. Here's the interesting thing. It happened when I was sleeping in the middle of the night. Nobody, no doctor's been able to figure out what happened to me. I guess that was some kind of dream, you know. I don't know or a nightmare, but I just woke up all broken. But here's what's interesting. All the parts of my body that I had when I went to sleep were still there when I woke up. Just some of them were in a different place. They were there. The vertebrae were there. The tendons were there. The ligaments were there. The bones were there. All of it was there. The nerves were there. They're just out of alignment. And I think that's such a good picture of the church in the last three years. The church got hurt. And I don't really think that we've had the space to process that. The church got hurt and it got thrown out of alignment. And we just 
just backed away in isolation and kind of got separated and disconnected and it threw us out of alignment. All the parts are still there. Now, all of mine aren't. I had disc removed, but in the church, all the parts are still there. They just got to be reconnected and realigned. See, and maybe, maybe you're here thinking this morning, you know, what, what do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm online. I'm watching. I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm hearing. I mean, what, I mean, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm here. I showed up. It's, it's not about are you here or are you not here. That's not what it's about. It's about are you connected and are you aligned and are you building others up and are you being built up? That's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's not just about being present. It's not about attendance. It's about ligaments. <laughs> it's about connective tissue. It's about being joined together and committed together. Are we being the body of Christ to each other? Because sometimes the church can just be a bunch of people that show up, kind of do our own thing, go live our own life, show up, check the box, not connected, not surrendered to anyone else. And sometimes we just live divided lives. We seek God in our own way. And when we do that, when we are thrown out of alignment and we separate and we do that, we lose vision, we lose connection, we lose authenticity, we lose care, we lose being built up, we lose the mission of Christ, we lose strength, we lose so many things because God didn't create you and I to go and do those things by ourselves and, and work outside the natural ability of the ligaments of the body of Christ. And we're seeing that happen in the American church now. We can't control that. We can't do anything about it. But we can control what happens here. You and I can make a decision about what happens here. And we can say, we're going to align. We're going to connect. We're going to lean in. We're going to build up. And we're going to be built up. And we're going to be the body of Christ for each other. And we're going to live in alignment because we want to be a dwelling place for the presence of God. That's the hope of the world. Number two, you're called to be built up and to build up. Now look, everybody's got different gifts. God's given each one of us different gifts. Ephesians says that. And we, we don't have time to unpack that today, but Ephesians talks about how we all have different gifts. And look, if God's given you the gift of encouragement, he didn't give you the gift of encouragement so you'd encourage yourself. He gave you the gift of encouragement so you can encourage us. If he gave you the gift of mercy, he didn't give you the gift of mercy so you could give yourself grace. He gave you the gift of mercy so you could give us mercy when we need it. If God gave you the gift of leadership, he didn't give you the gift of leadership so you could go out in the world and make a lot of money. He gave you the gift of leadership so you could lead in the church and keep it aligned and connected and going the right way. It's a gift of leadership. We want to be the dwelling place of God on earth, so it's time to activate, and it's time to build up, and it's time to be built up. And you know what? Satan will fight this with everything that he's got, and you know why he'll fight it? Because he doesn't want the church to be the dwelling place of God on earth. See, here's what happened. Satan has declared ownership over the earth. He's declared ownership of it. It is his territory. It is his turf. It is his domain. 
And he does not want the church to, to grow, to strengthen, to build, because that's where the presence of God dwells. But here's the thing. God has said, I'm coming to build a church, and I'm going to stack the living stones on top of each other. And he even gave us a prayer to pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think the temple's like in heaven? Pretty good. And what he's saying is, I'm coming to build a temple like that on earth. Through my people called the church. So man, let's be the dwelling place of God. Now where do we start? Number three. If you were here last week, you're going to recognize this. Start with lunch. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it a big deal. I'm asking everybody at Kingwood Church to find somebody that you don't know or you don't know really well and just go out and eat lunch with them after church. Now look, um, I want to make sure we're all clear on this. Nobody's buying your lunch. We're going Dutch. Okay? <laughs> That's not what we're looking for. You don't go out and see what kind of car a person drives. Go, they could probably take us out somewhere nice. We'll go, go with them. You pay and they pay. Just go out and share lunch with somebody. And you know, you have all kinds. Of, somebody asked me this week, hey, does it have to be on Sunday? Can it be another time? Yes, it can be another time. The rules are not as complicated as you might think. There really aren't any. If you take a step toward another person, in order to build even a step of greater familiarity with them in a way that pleases God. That's it. We don't have to make it, you know, that big deal. And look, some of you extroverts, I've already heard, sure, you already, you already hit three people. I don't know how you did it, but you already had three different families you took out to church. Some of the introverts are still thinking about it. Now, I understand that. You're still thinking about it. I'm, you know, maybe, can we take September 2? I need eight weeks to prepare for this. Listen, yes, the answer is yes, however long it takes. But my heart is to say, sometime in August, just reach around. It might take you a week or two to find somebody. Reach around. If you're new to Kingwood, beautiful. Everybody's a stranger to you. <laughs> you can take anybody, you go with anybody out to lunch. If you're online, what we ask you to do, look, just... Jump over in the comment. You know, maybe you're a guest online and you've just been watching for a week or two and never identified yourself. Just go over there and give us your name and what city you're watching from. That's a way that you can engage. Or maybe you've been watching for a long time and we already know you. Do it again anyway. And then all our online folks, when they do that, jump over and welcome them. Give them a little heart. You the little care face, whatever. Give, give them something that lets them know we're glad they're with us. Here's the other thing. In two weeks... We're going to have our um, fall life group launch. And we got, I think we've got seven or eight new life groups. Because we really want to do everything we can do to build a temple for God. So, there's a lot of opportunity here to be a living stone and build relationships. The question is, how hungry are you for God? That's the question. 
See, this is, I know this is a challenging series. I, really, I know it is. I know it is because we're Westerners and we're individualists and it doesn't fit our culture. But it does fit the New Testament. It does fit the church. So culture has to bend to fit the New Testament. We don't bend the New Testament to fit our culture. So this is a challenging series because in some ways I'm kind of throwing you the ball. And I'm saying, hey, look, when we come together, man, the worship team's going to be as ready as they can be. The prayer team's going to be praying. Whoever's preaching's going to be going to be ready to deliver the word of life. But man, we all got a role. Like we, we've got a part to play. We're going to be a two-legged stool if that's all we do. We've got to have that third leg in there. So what I'm just encouraging you to do is don't go to the mall looking for God and get mad that he's not there. Go to the shop, coffee shop where he told you he'd be. And find him where he said he would be in relationship. So how much of God do we want? Let's just, um, would you just stand with me this morning? And if you're online and you need prayer, our prayer team's ready to pray for you now. Let's just, let's just cut through the clutter for a minute, okay? Let's just cut through the clutter. If you would, just close your eyes. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? That's the question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Would you just say to him, Lord, I I want to follow you. I want to hear you. I want to be close to you. God, I... I humble myself now and I surrender. And I ask you to move not only in my life, but I ask you to move in this church. I ask you to move and build a temple here. And I want to be part of that. As the worship team leads us, just let your voice rise. Just turn your heart toward heaven.